This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. We've had an election season this year with massive absentee and early voting as Kentucky tries to be safe during the coronavirus pandemic. More Democrats requested absentees and more Republicans have been showing up early for in-person voting. Now less than 10 days before Election Day itself, the political parties are working hard to swing voters their way. Today, with the high stakes voting underway, we're going to hear from the Kentucky Republican perspective. GOP strategist Trey Watson will be joining us a little bit later but with us first this morning from the state democratic party is vice chair cassie chambers armstrong she is also about to become a member of the louisville metro council since she is unopposed in the general election this year vice chair armstrong thank you welcome we appreciate you being with us thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure how has the pandemic and and the emergency provisions that uh, loosen up the restrictions on absentees and allow for this early voting change the the dynamic of this election year you know as democrats we believe that voting should be easy and everyone should be able to vote and that we should reduce the barriers uh, to people being able to vote and this pandemic has really shown us why that's important and what a great thing it is for our democracy when it happens in the primary we saw record turnout throughout our state um, louisville the turnout numbers were just amazing and so I think it's really driven home that when you make voting easy, when you give people choices, it turns out people really like having choices of how to vote. And it turns out people vote in really high numbers, and that's a really good thing for democracy. There's a projection from the Secretary of State we may have 70% turnout, which would be very close to the historic high of 73%. Uh, do you think these uh, temporary measures that are in place in an emergency declaration worked out by the governor and the Secretary of State uh, some of these things should become permanent? I absolutely do, and I think that we'll see a lot of those um, becoming permanent after this election. They are so popular, and I have heard people from both parties say um, what a pleasure it is to be able to sort of make a voting plan that works for them and works for their schedule and works for the needs of them and their family. And so I think um, you would people would be really disappointed if a lot of uh, this flexibility didn't become permanent after this election. So I think we're going to see a lot of these barriers to voting sort of get eroded, get eliminated, and really, um, I think that's a great thing for democracy. Kentucky Democrats are coming off winning the governor's race last year, and yet polling indicates uh, challenges in a lot of your races this year. Uh, Kentucky was once uh, dominated by the Democrats, and uh, has the bluegrass state now become so Republican red that Democrats are left to try to uh, claw their way back and are at some disadvantage uh, when the races began? You know, 2016 was a hard year for us. I think that's something we need to acknowledge up front is that um, we did see sort of a loss of support in the Democratic Party. And that's something that we've been working really hard for the past four years to rebuild from. Um, and I think we're seeing signs that we are gaining momentum. We're continuing to build on the good work that has happened in races in 2018, 2019. And I believe we're gonna make more gains in 2020. Um, for example, we know that Donald Trump won the state of Kentucky by 30 points in, 20, uh, in 2016. And now polling indicates that that margin has been cut in half. And I think that just shows that the work that Democrats have done over the past several cycles to um, really re-engage voters and really sort of 
um, get our message out there to different communities is really rebuilding support for our party. So as we go through some of these races, let's talk about the presidential race. What case are you making uh, to voters to support to former Vice President Joe Biden over President Trump? Well, I think we've really seen sort of Trump fatigue throughout the state of Kentucky. And whereas the president en enjoyed, he he's still very popular and candidly having him at the top of the ticket does uh, make it difficult for us in some of these down-ballot down races. But we've begun to see that support erode. And we've seen that support erode based on the president's rhetoric and based on his actions. And particularly among sort of suburban women, um, uh, women throughout the state, people are just sort of tired of the, the way that he talks about people, the way he treats people, and the fact that they don't feel like they're better off today than they, they were four years ago when they elected Donald Trump. In fact, with everything going on um, with the coronavirus pandemic, they feel like um, their lives are kind of spiraling out of control in a lot of cases, and they feel like they're worse off. And so, you know, Joe Biden stands for the things that Kentuckians need. He stands for health care. He stands for opportunity for all. He stands for uh, sort of bringing our economy, economy back um, in a, a sustainable and equitable way. And I think that these messages, these sort of kitchen table issues, they really resonate with Democrats throughout the state. U.S. Senate race is uh, next on the ballot. A Democrat, retired Lieutenant Colonel Amy McGrath, has outraised and outspent her opponent, and yet uh, the polls show that uh, she has uh, a lot of ground to make up and a short time to do that. Do you believe that she can win the Senate race? I think Amy McGrath is going to surprise a lot of people. I think she is a great candidate. I think that she uh, is really gaining momentum. She has cut Mitch McConnell's lead to single digits. And we know from 2019 and the great victory of Andy Bashir that Democrats can win statewide. And Amy McGrath's path is gonna look a lot like what Andy Bashir's path did. It's going to be high support in Lexington and Louisville and Northern Kentucky. Um, and we've seen that she is doing the work and she is putting in the time and she is really investing um, in, those, in those communities and getting out that message that she needs to get out. And so I think we're going to see, um, see some surprises on election day and I think she's gonna perform very well. You know, many have said that uh, Governor Bashir's victory had a lot to do with uh, what had become the unpopularity of uh, Republican Governor Matt Bevan at the time. Uh, in this Senate race, uh, you know, McConnell's numbers are, at least he is at uh, majority approval in a couple of uh, polls that we have seen so far. So there is not that dynamic there was in the governor's race, right? Well, I think Mitch McConnell is pretty unpopular, and I think whenever Kentuckians um, really sort of hear about, I mean, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and instead of focusing on meeting the needs of Kentuckians, he is trying to ram through a Supreme Court justice that is going to be a part of dismantling and destroying the Affordable Care Act. Um, whenever we know many, many, many Kentucky families rely on the Affordable Care Act for health care coverage, and we're in the middle of a global pandemic whenever healthcare coverage is more important than ever. And so I think that Kentuckians understand that Mitch McConnell has been in the Senate for way too long and that their lives aren't getting better and he's not working for everyday Kentuckians anymore. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think that he is this beloved figure throughout the state of Kentucky and I think that he is vulnerable in this election. The sixth district congressional race is uh, hard fought as well. Uh, Democrat Josh Hicks is the challenger He's trying to take down the incumbent Republican Congressman Andy Barr. Uh, both candidates, though, have spent a lot of time attacking each other and answering each other, for that matter, and not a lot of time on their own proposals. Can uh, Hicks win a race like that where he's trying to become known 
but at the same time is spending a, a lot of his time uh, answering some of the charges that Barr is making. Now, I think that this is a race that um, is perhaps going to be one of the most closely watched races throughout the entire state on Election Day. Um, I think Josh's, Josh Hicks' background, he is a great fit for that district. Um, he knows what it's like to work hard. He has varied experiences that just really resonate with the different um, sort of demographics of the district that he's running to represent. Um, and I think that people are really getting a sense of who he is. And I do think that Andy Barr's sort of continuous, ongoing, misleading attacks on him, um, people see through that and they sort of understand that uh, those, those attacks are disingenuous, they're misleading at best. Um, and so I think that Josh Hicks, uh, I really think this is another race that we might see a surprise on election day. And I think that we could have a Democratic representative coming out of the, out of the sixth. Let's talk about uh, state legislative races, also uh, very important, and that is uh, who will be representing folks in Frankfurt uh, come January when the uh, session will open up. They'll be talking about the budget and a lot of other issues that are uh, coming up uh, in the state. Uh, the Republicans hold supermajorities in both chambers in Frankfurt. It means they automatically have enough votes to override a veto from the governor if they stick together. Uh, Will Republicans still have that kind of hold on the House and the Senate after November 3rd? You know, we're seeing a lot of enthusiasm in different pockets throughout Kentucky, and we have so many candidates that are running great races. It is challenging with Donald Trump at the top of the ticket, but we have seen, for example, we have a great crew of um, women running throughout the state. For example, we have Margaret Plattner and Suzanne Kugler, um, who both have real chances of flipping Republican-held seats in the Louisville area. We have um, a great uh, uh, crop of millennial candidates who are stepping up and running really energizing campaigns. And I think what we're looking to see throughout the state is the same thing that we saw in 2018, where we have um, representatives that are really uh, embedded in their communities, know their communities, and even in districts that Donald Trump carried, they still managed to, to be victorious. For example, Kathy Hinkle and Cluster Howard in Eastern Kentucky. Um, and so I think that, you know, it, it's going to be, candidly, it's, it's a tough thing to have Donald Trump on the ballot, but I think that we are excited that we think we'll make gains, we'll continue to build on the momentum from 2018 and 2019 and the ongoing organizing efforts. Um, and I think we'll pick up some seats. Vice Chair Armstrong, it's my intention to conduct similar interviews with you and, and Trey here in a few minutes uh, with uh, some of the same questions. And one that I do want to ask both of you, a lot of mailings have gone out from the parties in these legislative races. And some of the candidates indicate that they uh, probably wouldn't have sent that kind of thing out on their own. Uh, how much liberty should the political parties take in tying candidates for local or state office to national figures or uh, tying them to issues that, uh, you know, are, are more national than, than state or local? You know, um, the Democratic Party, we work very closely um, with our candidates in terms of providing resources and whatnot. Um, I'm not aware of any specific examples of what you're talking about. Um, you know, certainly uh, our intention is always to be helpful to candidates, not to ever put candidates um, in any sort of uh, position that they don't want to be in. Okay, let me give you an example. Uh, for In your case, the Democrats are sending out mailings with pictures of former Governor Matt Bevan uh, with uh, some of the Republican candidates. Uh, he left office nearly a year ago. Is that relevant now? I do think it's relevant now. Um, I think that, you know, Matt Bevan was 
a deeply unpopular governor who did a lot of harm to the state. And I think to the extent that candidates um, have sort of tied themselves to Matt Bevin through their, their actions, through their rhetoric, um, I think that that's something that voters have a right to know about. What will the party be doing in these uh, last days leading up to the election November 3rd? Even though it's an election season really right now that's uh, ongoing. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, we're in the throes of the election right now. We have hundreds of thousands of ballots that have already been cast in this state, and that's a great thing. Um, I think we're going to continue to focus on making the affirmative case uh, for Democrats. We have so many great candidates from the top of the ticket all the way down to local elected offices um, that we can champion and just sort of tell the stories of our candidates and tell why they stand for positive change in this state. Um, and so. We have uh, lo lots of great things to say and not enough time to say it all. And so we are going to be very busy making sure that Kentuckians are informed about the Democrats on their ballot. Kentucky State Democratic Party Vice Chair Cassie Chambers Armstrong. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. Stay with us. We'll be back with a Republican perspective on some of those questions ahead on Kentucky Newsmakers. And we welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Glad you're here. We just heard from Kentucky Democratic Party Vice Chair Cassie Chambers Armstrong. Now the Republican viewpoint as our Kentucky election season continues. Trey Watson is joining us with the GOP perspective. Trey is the founder of Capital Reigns PR and a former communications director for the Republican Party of Kentucky. Trey, thank you very much for being with us. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Bill. And that mic sounds good, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, how do you think the pandemic and emergency provisions that allow for easier absentee voting and this early voting have affected the election season here in Kentucky? Well, I think there's two ways it's affected it. Uh, the first of all, obviously, uh, there's a large percentage of the vote that, that's already come in. So, you know, as, as we get, I think, we're, what, 11 days now out, uh, from the election, and you have a lot of voters have already voted. Uh, so what goes on between now and election day won't matter to, to, to that percentage. Uh, so it kind of changes uh, the way that, that that people will look at the last few days of the election. It also has, has I think, significantly changed the way that campaigns are functioning. It changes the way that we contact voters. Uh, it changes the way that you kind of strategize your get at the vote program. Uh, it makes it easier in some ways, makes it harder in other ways. Um, but you know, it also I think extends the election season, which for incumbents I think is, is easier because it's going to require more money to kind of. Uh, I've been comparing it to, to basically you're singing a symphony, and usually you want you want to hit the the crescendo on election day, but now you have to hit the crescendo earlier and try to hold the high note for several weeks. Yeah, it's like an election season, that really. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of voters are telling us they like this. You know, it's much more convenient for them. Should some of these temporary measures that are in place because of the uh, pandemic emergency uh, become permanent fixes? I think uh, Representative Nemes had an election reform bill that he had proposed earlier uh, this year during session that I think had a lot of the changes that you see now. Personally, uh, I I've kind of been advocating a, a couple of these things to be adopted. The first of all, which is not something we're really doing this this year, but I think we can do. Um, we've seen the capability to make it work uh, thanks to e-poll books this year is uh, I think we, we can extend election hours. Uh, you know, right now we're six to six. I think we can easily go six to nine. I think you know, we have some of the most restrictive absentee ballot rules in the country. Uh, I think that we've seen that we can we can easily stand uh, to, to to 
expand those a little bit. Um, you know, I, I'm one who I know I'm in the minority. I am not a fan of really voting. Like I said before, when you when you construct elections, uh, it, it you, you you build up to election day, you build up to a crescendo. And you know, to me, when when you talk about early voting, you're talking about making the election season longer and making it more expensive. Uh, I, I think that we can, if we do things like expand uh, abs absentee excuses to uh, work excuses. You know, right now it's basically, are you sick and in the hospital and physically incapable of making it to the polls? You can vote absentee. I, I think that we need to greatly expand that, but I'm not a fan of, of no excuse uh, uh, early voting. I, I think I'm probably in the minority. I think that will probably end up uh, coming into law, but you know, I, a bunch, a bunch of what we see, I think probably will be codified. Um, I think you'll probably see slightly scaled back, especially on the absentee ballot request front, what excuses are available. Well, you might be looking at it somewhat from a campaign standpoint. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, more than the voters <laughs> would. Uh, all right, so, you know, you were talking about incumbency, and the Kentucky Republicans essentially control about everything but the governor's office in Frankfurt right now. Super majorities in both chambers of the legislature. Uh, seven of the eight members of the Kentucky congressional delegation are Republican. Polls seem to favor most Republicans right now. Uh, can a party uh, maintain that level of uh, one-party control for, for a long time? Uh, you know, it. you can. It requires leadership. Uh, you know, the, the problem becomes once you get to be too strong of a, of a, of a kind of single-party power, uh, you start to have fractures internally that opens up. Uh, you know, I think you saw back in the 90s there was a period where uh, Democrats in the state Senate, for example, kind of splintered with each other and you had kind of a weird power sharing situation uh, in, in leadership there. And you see it occasionally in counties, especially in heavily Republican counties, places like uh, Wayne or Green, where you end up with a Democrat county judge for, for a term because the party has fractured itself in the primary and the losing side uh, couples up with the Democrats to kind of gig the person to beat their side in the primary. Uh, and so you kind of end up in, with weird situations like that, but you know, strong leadership, uh, kind of keeping the caucus focused on uh, on the targets at hand, I think helps with that. Uh, you know, the the question becomes kind of how how you direct the the energy of the caucus and, and can you keep everybody uh, kind of moving together in, in one direction well, let's talk about these races up and down the ticket at the top of the ticket is the presidential race between president trump and former vice president joe biden polls indicate a strong advantage for trump in kentucky does he cross the finish line in the state with uh, enough of a lead to have significant coattails uh i think so when you're talking about where he where he needs you know, work, work hotels would matter, which is in the, some of the rural areas. I think that this will be the last year of what's been kind of a free election cycle of the uh, kind of rebasing of, of the seats in Kentucky. We're used to, for, for years and years, you had uh, Democrats controlling all these rural seats in East and West uh, Kentucky. There are still a few stragglers, uh, but, you know, I think it's, there's, there's a shot that come election day, the morning after, that uh, Angie Hatton out in Letcher County is the only Democrat left standing not in a suburban or urban area, and that's purely because she doesn't have an opponent. I think President Trump's coattails in the rural areas will carry uh, Republicans to, to a significant wave of, of new seats, uh, both beating incumbents and, and picking up a couple of open seats that are out there. So you believe the legislature will become more uh, Republican? I believe so. I think a good night for the Democrats is probably break even or uh, keeping their losses to, to a net loss of two or three seats. 
Let's talk about the hard-fought U.S. Senate race. Republican Mitch McConnell going for a seventh six-year term in Washington. Uh, for the first time in a Senate re-election race, he's being outspent. Uh, does he hold on to the lead that he appears to have in the, in the recent polling uh, in his race with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Amy McGrath? I think so. I think McGrath has kind of found some some footing. She's kind of, kind of developed a voice. I still don't think she's developed an identity, which is a problem for, for your undecided and kind of uh, center-right, center-left voters, but she's at least seems like kind of developed a voice the last couple of weeks. But like I said, a lot of people have already voted. She benefited from this in the primary when Charles Booker came on late. And if that primary, if, if, if you had only had Election Day voting or if the primary had been another two weeks longer, I think uh, Amy McGrath probably, probably would have lost. Uh, I think she may be able to make up a little bit of ground. But, you know, when you talk about money, Kentucky is a small state. Uh, and the amount of money that's come in on both sides, you just run into <laughs> run into trouble on ways to spend that money. So you know, you reach a point where, yeah, she's she's outraged Senator McConnell, but what does it matter? Because there's just there's limited amount of stuff you can buy. <laughs> there's there's, there's a limit on inventory of media bills, and as much as you guys would love to sell, you know, every single second of everything single thing that you could to if anybody wants to buy it, you run you run out of run out of ads. To sell. Only 24 hours in a day, right? <laughs> That's right. So. You know, money, money only goes so far, but I think Senator McConnell, uh, I think Amy McGrath performed so poorly early on, especially. I would be shocked if, if uh, this thing is uh, single digits. I think you're, you're looking at a low double-digit win for, for, the, for the leader. A big race in the heart of the bluegrass, the 6th District Congressional race, a seat that has gone back and forth between the parties over the last 30 years or so. A Democrat Josh Hicks charging hard, Republican incumbent Andy Barr uh, has run several different attacks on him. Many casual observers have said to me, uh, why is Barr attacking so much? Is he uh, concerned about holding on? Uh, I think Congressman Barr is just trying, you know, this, this is a year where uh, Republicans in some areas of the country are struggling in suburban areas. And Andy Barr has a significant suburban population in his district in, in Fayette County. And so I think he's, he's not taking this race for granted. And he's trying to be aggressive to make sure that uh, there's no chance that any sort of uh, erosion of Republican votes in, in suburban areas is going to affect him. I, I think that uh, this district is, is, is interesting the way it's laid out. I think when consultants from D.C. look at it, they look heavily at, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a district based around a, a liberal college town. It should be something that they should be competitive in. But there's just enough conservative vote in the rural areas that it's it's a really hard district for a Democrat to win. The Democrats so feel that Hicks uh, sort of has the recipe and that they would like to follow the path of uh, uh, Steve of, uh, Governor Andy Bashir in the win last year in the in the district. Uh, Hicks, uh, you know, as you said, uh, Lexington uh, tends Democratic and then uh, Hicks believes he can appeal in those rural areas. I think the national brand for Democrats is so damaged in rural areas that uh, regardless of how conservative Hicks may be personally, uh, I, I think the party brand, and, and right now when you're talking especially congressional seats, I think that uh, a lot of voters, it's they're having difficulty separating uh, individual from from party in some of these seats, especially when you're talking like the congressional with a national theme to it. It's just, it's a hard thing to separate. All right, I asked this same question of, of uh, Vice Chair Armstrong from the Democrats. A lot of these mailings are going out in these legislative races, and some of the candidates try to distance themselves from those. Uh, they'll say, that's not me, that's the party. Uh, in the case of Republicans, is it relevant to uh, picture local candidates uh, for state representative and the like with uh, Nancy Pelosi, who serves in Washington when they're trying to get to Frankfurt? 
Uh, you know, used to it didn't in Kentucky, but I think more and more the, uh, as I said, the, the, the national brand of Democrats uh, to rural voters in Kentucky has become so tainted that uh, it, it has become an, an, an effective attack. And I think in 2014, Republicans made a hard push to try to flip the state house using Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi. It didn't work. 2016, it, it was a much more successful tactic. So, yeah, I think that just it's it's a symbol of the continue, continuing polarization and, and partisanization of, of voters in, in the rural areas that it, it, it is a successful tactic, I, I believe. Uh, what would you say, though, to uh, some of the candidates who think, uh, you know, the, maybe the parties go too far uh, with some of these mailings? Well, I, mean, I could say a lot of things. The parties, you know, there to help their candidate. You know, the, the, the Republican Party of Kentucky, the Kentucky Democratic Party, they, they really only have one reason to exist, and that is to win elections. And they're going to go through whichever door is open to them. And, you know, once you step foot in the arena, you just have to be prepared for whatever's, whatever's coming to you. Uh, you know, it's, it's not always pretty. Now, you know, what I would say is uh, there's a difference between attack ads and contrast ads. We have, as, as a campaign person, we, we have to present a voter with a contrasting reason why they need to change their behavior, why, you know, you've been voting for this person for years, but here's why you need to vote for another person. And that, that requires contrast, and it requires sometimes aggressive contrast, but I think there's a difference between that and negative campaigning where you, you, know, you would be getting into, into personal kind of more tawdry issues. All right, uh, here we are uh, the last uh, few days. I guess uh, they, basically everybody keeps up uh, what they're doing because it's more like an election season. We just have a few seconds left, Ray. Absolutely. You know, if you haven't voted, I would encourage you to, to get out and vote. Uh, make sure you you do your part and, uh, you know, for the candidates, keep pushing hard and uh, finish out strong, make your calls and, and chase your votes. All right, Trey Watson, who uh, gave us the GOP perspective. He's a Republican strategist. Thank you so much. We appreciate you uh, for being on. Thanks for having me, Bill. Stay with us. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers. And before we go here on Kentucky Newsmakers, a reminder, we're a little more than one week away from Election Day. Many people have turned in absentee ballots already. Remember, certainly, to do that if you haven't. County clerks across the state are encouraging Kentuckians to vote early. And it looks like the Commonwealth will have a good showing this year with turnout. This past week, Secretary of State Michael Adams released his projections for this year. He expects 70% of registered voters to cast a ballot. If that happens, it would be the highest turnout since 1992. Now, it's too late to request an absentee ballot, but you can still look at sample ballots, including those two amendments that are on there. Remember that, state amendments. You can also find polling places, along with checking your voter registration, all of that information is at GoVoteKY.com. Again, vote, GoVoteKY.com for election information. And that's Kentucky Newsmakers. We want to thank you for joining us. Hope you'll join us bright and early this week for WKYT This Morning. And have a good week ahead.